Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Chrisloff, I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric McKayev, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday, and what we saw was Omicron continues to be a big force in the United States. And the other stuff that we saw was concerns over inflation, concerns over the supply chain, and most importantly, inflation expectations rising in the longer term and people getting concerned about what the Fed is going to have to do from a rate hike standpoint and uh, the effect that'll have on capital markets. So any thoughts on that, Eric? That's the same thing we picked up from uh, the bank's earnings call last week. The last week and a half has been mostly about banks reporting, specifically banks talking about the rate hikes. Uh, so it seems certain that they, they're very certain that rate hikes will be there, I think, this week. And I think that could be one of the reasons why we're seeing red in the markets today and last week also. But I think some of the things that we noted at DSO for mining schools is definitely less consumer spending still strong. Procter & Gamble were, were insistent on the fact that some of their consumers don't have issues with price increases. But of course, you have to keep worrying. If, if inflation continues at the rate at which it is right now, then at some point, consumers will start to get worried. And of course, a lot of companies, something we captured also is about, I think Janet Yellen also had, feels like inflation also will stay above 2% for the rest of the year, for the, for the, for the next year or so. So I think it's definite that rate hikes are on the way. And I think, um, well, some of the bounce earnings calls we saw is around like four rate hikes this year. So let's not sure when the last time I wanted to check when the last time the Fed raised rates, uh, significantly. So uh, maybe you can give us a little historical perspective you remember quite well. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in a situation now where good news becomes bad news in some ways, where if consumer spending remains really strong, it could push inflationary expectations higher. I think Janet Yellen certainly seems behind the curve when she says that she expects inflation to fall back to 2% just on its own, basically. Other people were hearing much more concerned about like the longer term inflation risks. Right now, at least psychologically, the 7% CPI number, I think really stands out in people's minds. And so the Fed is going to have to demonstrate some sort of action against that inflation. And usually the way that this works, a Fed rate hiking cycle ends in some sort of recession. So that's just usually the way that it happens. Then it gives perspective to uh, some of the quotes that we saw from, I think, Optree Capital Management's co-founder, Howard Marks, I think, and Interactive Brokers and Goldman Sachs. We also, uh, all three companies are a little worried about inflation. So I think Howard, Mar Howard Marks actually painted a really nice picture there. So like higher, high inflation, higher rates, higher rates, lower asset prices. And and I think as Rachel Jesus by Goldman Sachs, that would mean like a little bit of volatility going forward and asset prices and current activities and economic growth being impacted all at once. So I think that it seems then we're in for a really tough year ahead uh, from what I can see from the earnings calls. It definitely could be. I mean, at the same time, I think as we're recording this right now, the S&P 500 is down over 10% for the year already. I think like in a really, really bad year, like the financial crisis year, I think we ended down 35%. And like we were down 50%, I think, or like 45% at the at the the peak decline level. So that's usually about like the maximum that the S&P 500 declines in a year. So we've already lost a lot of value in January. And this, again, is typical of a rate hike year is you'll see a pretty big sell off in January and then some sort of recovery into the middle of the year. And then usually it just so happens that like 
late second, third quarter is really where the heart of sell-off and recession starts. I can probably name six or seven examples of that happening if we wanted to go back. But the question from SVB Financial is also very interesting about would we see prolonged slowdown? And I think like he had some reflection from the last financial crisis when it took people a bit too long to get back into the markets. So when, when there is a prolonged slowdown, as you say, like 20, 35% or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think like the last 14 years and really just like the history of financial markets since the 1920s is like, it's a function of the Fed's reaction function to what's going on. And so we just ha so happen to have lived in kind of an atypical time where the Federal Reserve is like perpetually dovish and there hasn't been a need to fight inflation in any way for the last 14 years. And so basically every time that the Fed is raising rates, they're like pretty quick to, to start going into an easier direction again. Like there's very little need to really raise rates to fight inflation anyway. And so this time feels a little bit different than any other time in the last 14 years. But again, it, it, it will be somewhat a function of what the Fed's resolve to, to raise rates is. Because the second that the Fed starts to signal that they're done raising rates, then you would want to be buying again, would be my thought. And usually this is, again, going back like 100 and whatever years in, in economic cycles, Usually the Fed doesn't start to get easy until there, it's very clear that a recession is upon us. So the key thing I picked is to stay invested at the end of the day. <laughs> but beyond that, I think a couple of the quotes that we picked just from uh, different, I think one of the major stories this week is, of course, the slowing down of growth at Netflix. I think like it's, it's expected. They had a really spectacular year, COVID year, when people all stayed at home and everyone was using Netflix and now competition is rising. All of the companies are moving into streaming. Disney launched, I uh, think the HBO Max and Discovery have kind of combined forces. So I think like uh, with that increased competition and all, it's not unexpected to see a growth stock like, uh, like Netflix slow down. But I think they say that all their metrics are actually doing well but in terms of their additions. I should say also like uh, they have launched a service in Kenya. It's a free, you can watch Netflix for free on Android uh, phones. Uh, so I think they're trying to step up maybe in terms of acquisitions in you know, these uh, markets. And I know in India, they're also reducing prices to kind of hit the target market that they're reaching. So I think that's, those are kind of my observations from Netflix and all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in my own personal investing, watching a lot of these stocks sell off, Netflix included, on partially on fundamental earnings and partially due to just the stock market volatility. You're starting to see valuations come down quite a bit quickly for like Netflix. I mean, it's $150 billion market cap now. It's 30, 30 times earnings, which, you know, in, in the low interest rate world that we've all become accustomed to, like that's starting to get cheap. But if you have like, four or 5% 10 year interest rates, which is like historically not crazy then 30 times earnings is really expensive. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one on my radar though. I should say one thing that I've noticed in both earnings called for uh, Netflix and Disney, because I, I read them both diligently. I noticed they have a certain level of respect to each other when they're mentioning like you can read in Netflix earnings calls that they're talking about Disney and talking about them in a positive light. 
And in Disney earnings calls, like they do the same to Netflix. So I think there's a certain level of respect that I see between them, even though they're competitors, which, which is kind of intriguing for me. I don't know. I've, I haven't seen the co- companies do that in earnings calls a lot, especially Rimos. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting uh, what you're pointing out. And I think it's a function of both of them are really exceptional companies. Yeah. And part of being exceptional companies is they recognize exceptional competitors. And so they're talking about each other. But you're right. It's very rare. I, don't, I can't think of any other industry where there's like two top dogs that are like praising each other. Yes, that's true. And they, they also pick lessons from each other in terms of growth and uh, development because Netflix admires uh, Disney's uh, IP and then Disney admires Netflix execution. So I think they both uh, definitely are. That question about SVB, the, the question they were asked about VC activity slowing down because of the sell-off in the markets, I think. I saw a similar question being posed to Morgan Stanley about them making acquisitions now that some of the tech stock valuations are actually going down. So I think that was interesting for me. So I don't know if there's a spillover effect in terms of valuations because some of the valuations in the private markets are also very high. So I think like there, a spillover. Yeah, I think they're extremely high. And I think this is something where VC activity is lagging, is a lagging indicator of the stock market. And I think that's because venture capitalists generally, one, to SVB's point, have a lot of dry powder. Two, are like generally more predisposed towards optimism. And three, have been like rewarded for aggressively allocating capital over and over again for the last like decade and a half. I think they're going to have to see more sell-off in the public markets in order for it to start to impact VC activity. I would expect that Today's sell-off that we're watching is starting to get people a little jittery in like private equity circles, but we're still probably not like all the way there. Should Microsoft has waited also for a bit down in the Activision stock to buy also? Maybe we'll see historically, maybe that's, that'll be what we say marked the top, but, um, or maybe it was great buy. I don't know. <laughs> that could be. I mean, uh, in terms of, from what I could sense, both of them was talking about the acquisitions, it seems very strategic. They're both inspired mostly by competition that are rising in this space with the metaverse. They are talking about in leveraging their assets to kind of grow. So I think this, it's a major acquisition for, it's a, it's a drop in the ocean for Microsoft in terms of their, compared to the market cap, but it's a major acquisition all the same, uh, given the history of acquisitions and all. Uh, any any other quotes to stop or should we end it there? I think that's probably a decent place to end it today. Yeah, I mean, that was interesting. It's a really uh, good start to the earnings season. So this week is uh, the tech week, a flood of uh, earnings calls from uh, tech companies. So we'll be here to check them out, all of them, starting with Microsoft and continuing to Apple later this week. Uh, so thank you for joining us this week. I'll see you next week again for another session like this. Bye.